1: What up, my people? If you're listening to this, you are my people. This is my very first podcast episode, and I am so honored that you're tuning in. This whole season is packed with amazing people who aren't just names that you might have heard of or faces you might have seen, but they're actually amazing people, and some who I even consider to be my friends. My hope is that with every episode and every conversation, you don't just walk away entertained or inspired, but you learn something and apply it to your life. when we learn something from someone else, we learn something about ourselves. But in order to get real, we got to go there. So welcome to the first episode of We're Going There. And because I already love you, I've included two bonus episodes this week. So you don't want to miss out. One of them is entitled How to Reach Your Full Potential. And it's one of my favorite talks that I give to leaders and those experiencing a new transition in life and a bonus episode. Surprise, surprise, just because I love you. I'd encourage you to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any of the episodes and updates. It's gonna be a great season, trust. Okay, y'all, this could be risky to start the show on the topic that we're gonna discuss today, but I'm a risky kind of girl. Here's the thing, you can't have a show about wanting to be real and honest and not talk about one of the hardest struggles of life, including my life, and who better than to shoot it straight than Christine Kane? If you don't know Christine, she's a petite Greek Aussie with blonde hair and a biblical bite. She may be small, but my God, she is mighty. In addition to freeing slaves as the founder of A21, empowering women as the founder of Propel Women, and preaching the gospel around the world, she was also my boss. I worked for A21, a global anti-human trafficking organization, for almost seven years. The work was gloriously exhausting and devastatingly beautiful. But one conversation sticks out to me the most, and it has such a profound impact on my life even to today. And that is what I want to talk about. Before we dive into each interview, I'm going to share a story about each guest that has had a profound impact on my life and I believe will leave a lasting impression on yours too. So... A little bit about Christine. The first night that I had dinner with Christine and her husband, Nick, it was at a restaurant in Newport Beach, California. The sun was setting and you could hear the ocean waves crash in the distance. There was palm trees that gently swayed in the wind, and it was almost like a magical moment. We spoke about everything from social justice to the global church, to church changes, and we even included who we thought could be louder, me, a fiery Latina, or her, a passionate Greek. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, She asked me what I wanted to do with my life. Hold up. The globe's most profound evangelist is asking me what I wanna do with my life. I wanted to have some profound dissertation peppered with perfect prose and elocution as eloquent as a woman whose name is Eloise. But all I could squeak out was, I wanna change the world for Jesus. Fast forward four months, and I found myself working for Christine at A21 in their marketing and communications department without any formal or educational training in the social justice realm of human trafficking, I was thrust into a world where the oppression of millions of slaves felt like I was living in a new celestial territory and I didn't have a breathing apparatus. The already cramped office was packed with teams. So I found a small desk located in what was referred to as the book closet. There were shelves with books and unhung picture frames hanging awkwardly on the floor with awards and plaques and absolutely no windows. Remember, it was a closet. But my perk was that I had a waterfront view from my desk. Pretty fancy for the new kid in the block, right? Except that my waterfront view simply meant that I was seated next to the water dispenser. About two months into my job, I heard Christine was coming into the office after one of her around-the-world globe tours of every conference and church uh, in the world. Uh, She made her rounds of greeting the office staff, and we got a chance to connect in my closet, aka office, with my waterfront view. She asked me how I was doing, and I took that opportunity to give a brutally honest assessment of my lack of qualifications and experience. In short... I told her I didn't think I was supposed to be doing this job. This is probably something you should never tell your boss. But young, dumb, and very emotional, I assumed Christine would envelop me into her arms and stroke my head and affirm that I, indeed, was as special as a snowflake, to which she did not do. She looked at me in her very Christine-esque pointed way and bluntly said, Do you think I'm cold to anti trafficking Um, friends, I thought... Is this a trick question? How do I answer this? My immediate internal thought was, duh, you're Christine Kane. Of course you're called to this. But I stared blankly, afraid of not answering correctly, and limply said, yes, more of a question than it was an answer. To which she responded, no, I'm not called to anti-trafficking. I'm called to do whatever the Lord's called me to do. When I'm with my daughters, I'm their mom. When I'm with Nick, I'm his wife. When I am teaching, I'm a preacher of the gospel. Whatever God's asked me to do, that is what I'm called to do. This is where my accent breaks down, so I'll just stop imitating Chris from here on out. But this conversation led to a larger conversation, one that I want to share with you. Christine told me that if I ever wanted to be spiritually developed or to spiritually grow or to be used by God for mighty things, then I had to die. In fact, we all do. Die to self, die to self repeatedly. In her words, die, 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 and then die to your flesh again. See, there will be a million reasons why we don't want to do things, why we might even feel justified in quitting. We might even have good excuses as to why we can't do something. But the moment we understand that this isn't about us, we die to our pleasures, our desires, and self, so that God can use us without us getting in the way. Paul says it beautifully this way in Galatians 5, 24 through 25 those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our life. Yes, Christine is a best-selling author and a profound communicator and a loyal mom and wife, but her greatest strength is that she has died a thousand deaths and has allowed the spirit of God to lead her to the most interesting parts of the world to do the most world-changing things. My hope is that she teaches us today how to do the same. People can look at your life. They can look at television. They can look at social media numbers. They can look at impact with A21, um, efficacy with A21. They could look at uh, the strategy of Propel Women and clearly say, like, wow, this woman is killing it. And if they didn't know you before, they will know you after this. And so people can look at the fruit But what I want to talk about today is the process to get there. And you, from day one, from day one, you have kind of uh, poked holes at what this means to die to self. And I think that we have it a little inverted. I think I remember you talking so passionately about selfies and selfie culture. And um, for those that don't know, I'm going to take us back to the dinner table at True Foods Kitchen in Newport Beach, California, where I sat across from you. And it was our first formal meeting. And you said what are you doing with your life? And I said, I want to tell people about Jesus. And you just quizzically kind of turned your head and said, are you doing that writing your blog? There was something about that question. It, there was no mal intent. There was no ill intent behind it. But you did two things. One, you called me out. And two, you called me up and I think everyone wants the up. No one wants to be called out. Um, Can you talk to this next generation, these people that maybe are looking at you and saying like, wow, I want what she has, or I wonder what it would be like to have that influence. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about dying to self?
0: What does that mean to you? (laughs) Well, sure. You know, I'm thinking that you said you called me um, out and you called me up. See, you can never truly go up until you're called out because Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't come out, Uh, you'll never go up into the realms that God has for you. You will stay limited by the ceilings that you have for yourself. And so that's why, to me, that's very limiting, um, wanting to limit your life to just my dream, my purpose, what I've got, um, because there's a ceiling to that. Um, To get into the Ephesians 3.20, which is where I live, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, anything you could ever ask hope or think there's only one way to go there, and that's going down, that's dying to self. Um, And so... That's the calling out part. The calling out part is the dying to self. Bianca, I always say one of the greatest blessings of my life is that I was saved before 90% of the people listening to this podcast were even born. And so (laughs) the benefit of that is I was saved before there was even such a thing as the internet. Now, most people listening to this won't even know that that's conceivable. Was there planet Earth? Did the Earth rotate around the sun before (laughs) there was the internet? Yes, okay, so I have a life before the internet. I have a ministry and a call to ministry before there was social media. Therefore, the benefit of that is that I had to learn to read the Bible because I couldn't scroll through anybody else's life. I had to read the scripture. I had to learn to hear the voice of the spirit because I couldn't put on a podcast because there was nobody else's life I could listen to. And so what I had to do was I had to learn to hear God. The very good benefit of that is now that we're in a world that is very much about what you can see, what you can hear, obviously. uh, And that's not a bad thing. I'm on here talking to you and I, I, I do it all. I, I, uh, a television program i have a podcast i've got the whole thing so uh, utilizing technology is wonderful that's not my point in this conversation my point is though that there is something to be said about learning to hear the voice of god away from all of Mm. the social media all of any public platform um because the voice that you hear in secret is the voice that's going to sustain you in public. And if you haven't learned to discern the voice of man privately, uh, you will be confusing that with the voice of man publicly. And you will Oh, wait, to- wait, sister, Sorry. you got
1: to say that again. Cause that was good. That oh, was yeah. good. Well,
0: there, so, yeah, if you don't learn to decipher the voice of man privately, you will never be able to distinguish it from the voice of man or the voice of God privately. You won't ever be able to distinguish the voice of God publicly from the voice of man because uh, so there's some great benefits in the midst of all of that so i didn't when the lord called me uh you know people say did you see what you're doing so you know obviously anyone listening to this and if they go and find me online they're going to see a21 they're going to see propel oh they're going to see television they're going to see the books they're going to see all of that i never saw that how could i have seen that um i saw god's call i heard a call Mm. Uh, and when you go, what is that? Just this impression in my heart that I was ruined for anything else, but the purposes of God, did I know I would be doing this? Well, no, because I couldn't go online and look at it because, and there was no women doing what I was doing. And the other thing is when I was called, I didn't even know I, a, a human trafficking existed. I didn't even know you could empower women. So when people say, could you dream about it? I'm like, how could I dream about it? This is when I say, don't limit yourself by your own dreams. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. I was called at 20, you know, in my early 20s. I didn't even launch a21 until I was 40, I didn't even launch Propel until I was 45, I didn't even go to grad school until I was 50, I didn't even start TV until I was 50. I didn't know those things existed. So I'm trying to say to somebody, the thing that you're probably going to do that's going to have the greatest impact, you don't even know that it exists right now. So you can't even dream it. You know, Second Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into your heart. The things that God has for those that love him. Why would you spend your life scrolling through everyone else's life when you could spend your life on your face, getting God to do what God's called you to do? But you're never going to do that if you don't learn to die to self. Because the only things that scripture says is that Paul says, I die daily. I I really understand what that is. Even now when people say, Chris, obviously you've got plans and strategies. and We've got due diligence, obviously, for the organizations that I run. Um, But I certainly uh, do not actually know the minute details of everything that I'm going to do. Because the fact is, if I can learn to die daily, God will take me further than I can. See, the scripture just says, this is the only instructions it gives us. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And in due season, he will lift you up. Now, a lot of us in the culture that we live, we think it's our job online to humble everybody else. That's not in the Bible. It's not my job to humble anybody else. It's my job to humble me. As long as I keep humbling me in the right way, the Lord will exalt me in due season. Because if I try to put myself somewhere, I'm going to have to keep myself there. And I'm going to have to manipulate things. I'm going to have to work to keep myself there. But if God puts me there, I don't have to keep myself there. God put me there, God will keep me there. So I have to die to internal things like everybody else. I have to die to pride. I have to die to bitterness. I have to die to unforgiveness. I have to die to offense. I have to die to wanting to take the credit. I have to die to wanting public accolades. I have to die to wanting approval. I have to die to wanting applause. If I die to those things, then God will continue to lead me to where God wants me to go. But most of us, what we're actually chasing is not ministry for the benefit of humanity. We're chasing approval, we're chasing followers, we're chasing accolades, we're chasing uh, numbers, we're chasing... notoriety. We're chasing influence. And it's a very dangerous thing to chase influence. You should be chasing Jesus and Jesus will give you influence. If you're chasing influence, you'll get influence, but the influence that you get is the same influence that will probably take you out. And so what you need to do is chase Jesus. And the way you keep humbly following Jesus is by dying to yourself. And then he will give you realms of influence. Mm. Uh, You don't want any more influence than God will give you because the minute you go out there, You become a target and the enemy, you you know, while while you don't have a lot of influence, the enemy leaves you alone. He's in Cuba smoking his cigars. He's having a great life. But the minute you actually start uh, making a difference for God, that's when hell pays attention to you. And we live in a day and an age. And I think a lot of this has got to do with um, the fact that we live so much of our lives online. We forget that there is a real life devil. We forget that this is a spiritual battle. I mean, this is all scriptural. This is not just me being Pentecostal. This is scriptural. There is an unseen realm. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Uh, We fight against powers and principalities. And any true ministry that truly pushes back darkness, truly sees people saved, sees people delivered, sees people healed, sees people reconciled, sees people restored, any true ministry pushes back the kingdom of darkness, therefore, all of hell wants to come against you Mm. to take you out. So you want to be where God is and where his angels take charge over you and protect you. Um, And so most of the time, the things that we think we want, you've got to really ask yourself, and no one knows the heart. The Bible says in Ezekiel, the heart is deceitful above all things Mm -hmm. and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We could go, oh, I know my heart. My heart's so pure. This is what I want to do. I'd say 90% of what we want to do is really all about us and not God. And you spend about the first 20 years of your ministry life with getting that knocked out of you so you can actually truly start to pursue what God wants you to do.
1: So I hear all the time, oh, I want my life to make a difference. I want to have impact. I want to do fill in the blank. Or I would be around you. I'd be at events, uh, working a table or just traveling alongside of you. And I'd hear people say all the time, I want to do what you are doing. But when the rubber meets the road, people quit, they can't hang or they don't like it. So what would you tell someone on your team? What would you tell someone on your team um, who wanted to bail or didn't want to put in the work? Like, What would you tell them about this cost or dying to self?
0: Well, you can't be where I am if you're not willing to go where I went. And so that's the whole bottom line is that um, what you think you might want is something that you perceive which in most cases would either be you see 45 minutes of my life on a particular platform perhaps um, and you think that's what i want to do but you don't even realize what that is uh the weight that comes the author- the weight that comes with that the authority that comes with that the anointing that comes with that to break yokes and chains and bondages that comes from where i've been not where i am right now And so the fact is you can stand on any platform. I could put you on that platform, but it doesn't mean anything's gonna happen when you're on that platform. You might even be a better communicator than me. You might be more gifted, more talented, funnier, whatever, whatever the deal, but you will not bear the fruit that I'm bearing if you haven't been prepared to go down deep and dig the roots down deep where I've dug them. And so my source is not in my gift or my talent or my ability. I don't go up on that platform Um, and think this is all based on my gift and my talent it's based on my anointing because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and chain and an anointing only comes through crushing in the same way that you want olive oil you want you got to crush an olive and what we want is we want platform without anointing which is why people's lives don't transform and so the fact of the matter is if you want lives to be transformed and the kingdom to advance then you need anointing you cannot have anointing without crushing and we have a generation that doesn't want to be crushed in fact we've got a generation that has a high value on not being crushed in fact we have a generation that thinks theologically that we wouldn't want to be crushed i don't actually understand where we get that from genesis to revelation pre-cross post-cross post-resurrection. There is always crushing. There is always dying to self uh, in all the epistles of Paul, in the gospels. Uh, Nobody didn't have to be crushed even after Jesus rose from the dead. So I do not know where we think we get a free pass because we have to be conformed and transformed to the image of Christ. And so the true Christian journey is an ongoing journey of death to self. And so if you're not willing to do it, if you're not willing to go where I've gone, Why would you think you can stand where I stand?
1: Oh, hold on. I just passed out a little bit. See, and this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. I am saying, now I'm going to take us back. I I keep on going back to 10 years ago. We were sitting at True Foods and... You were so, so, so honest and so clear. And you said something poignant. I'm going to say prophetic because you said the problem with this next generation, the problem with Americans is that you're building a platform unto yourself instead of building a platform for God. And that platform is going to be the thing that takes you out. And so with all this conversation about branding and platform, and don't get me wrong, I actually did that for A21. I did it for Propel. I did it for myself. I helped. Like This is what I did. So I understand the value in it. But I want to pause because I think they have put all of the emphasis and all the importance on the wrong things. And no one from as long as we've known each other, I have not heard anyone have this message of die to self more poignantly, more powerfully um, and more realistically than you. And so
0: so yeah, well, here's the I thing. just want to say that because Please. the thing is in the book of Nehemiah, the Lord says to Nehemiah, I have given you a platform. See, a lot of people are missing the platform that God's given them because they're trying to build their own platform. So it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It looks really pretty, especially if you're a good artist. And if you're creative, like you can make it all look great, but there's no substance to it. See, what you did for A21, A21 existed before you came. Mm -hmm. What you did was put an infrastructure around what God was already doing. So what you Came, and you, you would testify to this, even in my own life. You would roll your eyes at my lack of branding excellence, uh, my my online platform. You would always say, "Chris, you've got this huge reach. You've got." And, and then I let you do it, like I would with my kids, because I'm like, "Okay, you can put all the pretty yeah. around what God is already doing, because I know there's already substance on it. Mm. It's not that you are doing it so that I will grow into it." And so the bottom line is a lot of us were trying to put the cart before the horse. So yes, in modern communication, is it absolutely essential? Of course it is. But you would argue, you and I would argue um, and what you wanted to do with propel. And I'd be like, I'm fine. As long as we have substance to it, you could do what you want on Instagram You can do what you want on Twitter. You can make all the backdrops beautiful. And you were always obsessed with, it's got to look good. It's got to look good. And that's your gifting. That's your anointing. And I'm like, awesome. I want it to look good. But if there's not a move of the Holy Spirit in the room, if there's not the power of the word, and I would say to you always, I don't care if I've got no backdrop. I want the Holy Ghost. And the fact is that because in my life, I came through a time when there was not all the whistles and bells and I was in the back of Australia, in the back of country towns, there was no technology, there was no nothing. I saw the power of God turn up. So I saw people saved. I saw people delivered. I saw people healed. So I knew God could do it. Now, do we want it to look good? Of course. Do we want people to experience excellence? Of course, as a byproduct of being a Christian. But that's not the goal of Christianity. That's the goal, uh, the byproduct of being a Christian. But a lot of us, we've got a lot of it looks good, man, and we know how to market. Mm. But there is no point. I don't care how good you are at marketing if you are not marked by God. So being marked is way more important than being marketed. You get so far by being marketed. And and I know there's someone listening to this to me, like rolling their eyes as I speak. But the fact is, marketing will keep you. It might even keep you going for ten years. I am now. I'm going to be 54 in September, Bianca. So if you know people want to send presents, 23rd of September, I turned 54. <laughs> I started full time ministry at 22, so this is now 32 years. This is all I want to say to you. Out of at how many 54 year olds do you know that are still by the grace of God and by the mercy of God still going full on for Jesus? Uh, my marriage, by, by the grace of God, 24 years, strong, flourishing. We love each other. Um, it's flourishing. An 18, by God's grace, and a 14-year-old daughter that thus far, by the grace of God, love the Lord, are in the house of God. Uh, stellar kids, normal kids, but stellar kids. You know my family very well. Um, <laughs> and so personally, uh, and then in terms of ministry, by God's grace, still bearing fruit, even in my old age. a 21s continuing to flourish. Propel continuing to flourish. People still are getting saved, and it's bearing fruit. I'm not saying that, and the Lord knows my heart, in any boastful way. I'm trying to make a point with this. It is one thing to market yourself brilliantly in your 20s, in your 30s, because, because of technology, it will carry you so far. But the Holy Spirit will carry you way further than technology will ever carry you, because then when you get to my age, it starts to look a bit thin. You go. Where were all those people? I'm telling you, there are certain conferences when I first started coming to America, um, and around the time I first met you too, I would, uh, you know, we we met at certain conferences, and I was sharing those platforms with people younger than me, cooler than me, in many many ways, way more tattoos than me because I've got none, way more piercings than me because I've got none, Um, and way more, you know, eloquent. Your generation is beautifully eloquent. I love it. You know, I believe in you guys so much. but the fact is, here we are in some of those cases only ten years later. I mean, right. I'm not even going back to twenty years later. I've right. now used say for a decade. Uh, some of those we stood on the same platforms, launched different ministries, different not-for-profits, uh, different books, all the whole deal. Some of those people are no longer even in ministry. Some are no longer even following Jesus. Many of those organisations no longer even exist. What I'm just trying to say to you is, you want to bear, you want to look at the, you don't want to look at the Instagram. Uh, shooting star over the next five years you want to look for fruit that remains over the long term and you go wow there must be something these people in their 50s and 60s that are still going for god that still are full of joy and peace and fruitfulness that are still cheering on the next generation believe that the the future is better than the past Mm -hmm. that believe what is the key which is what you're doing you're saying okay so chris you could be you know i could be your mom. I'm certainly your spiritual mom. Chris, what has kept you going? And like Psalm 92, it says they will could those that are planted, and here is the key. Here is the real key. Those that are planted in the house of God, Psalm 92 says, see, I've been oh, in one my. church for 31 years. Those that are planted, not those that occasionally visit the church of God, not that those occasionally bless it with their presence, um, but those who are planted, that means your roots go down deep, in the house of the Lord. Here is the promise. Will Flourish. It's not maybe. We'll flourish even during COVID nineteen season. Even during in my last thirty two years, I've been through a lot of traumas and you know ups and downs. But uh, by God's grace, I've continued to flourish in every season. And then the promise in Psalm ninety two says, even in old age, they will keep flourishing. Flourishing. You know, my kids think I'm in the old age stage. Um, I'm only in middle age, but the fact is, by God's grace. I'm still flourishing. It's not because I'm that good, because I'm actually not. There are you, I mean, I, I say this candidly, I've said it to you, I say it publicly. You are a much better preacher than I am. Just, I mean, I, I love that. Um, you are. Okay, funnier, for those that are listening. Later, no, but you are funnier than I am and engage your co- ability to connect with a young audience. I love it. I mean, you're a sight to behold. I knew it from the day I met you. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, there are many people that are better at a particular thing that I'm, I'm certainly not the best number one at everything that I do. But the thing that I do, that I probably do best the most, better than most, is I know how to die. And I know how to keep, when I say keep showing up, is like keep submitting, keep yielding. 31 years in one house. You think in 31 years in one church, I have not had the opportunity to be offended? You think I have not had the opportunity to want to leave? You think I haven't, offended a lot of people in 31 years you think i haven't i've done a lot of preaching in 31 years in one church you think i haven't said the wrong thing you think i haven't um made mistakes that i've had to humbly apologize for you think i haven't had to exercise forgiveness you think i haven't in some ways been mistreated uh i i say the story you know we don't have time here but you know my first seven years I never even preached in my church and people would say that's my greatest gift I I I put out chairs I clean toilets literally I drove kids to youth group but that's where I God was working on my character in me because I was so broken even though no one could tell because I had this great gift but because of the abuse of my past the abandonment the rejection I mastered well but I was so thank God I had pastors over me that never let me do anything public because the gift that was on me would have destroyed me because the character that was in me couldn't sustain me. And now 32 years later, as I'm flourishing by God's grace around the world, I gotta thank God for my pastors, right. even though people said to me in those days, you should go somewhere else, Christine, where they recognize the gift on your life. You should go to all these other places that really would give you a platform. Why are you wasting your time at that church? Well, it's really been bad for me to stay connected to my church, hasn't it? But anyway, <laughs> like but what I'm trying to say is I had pastors unbeknownst to, to me that cared more about me than right. my gift. And because they cared more about me, I'm still here at 54. But, and so the fruit and the long arc of my ministry is greater. I would never have done that, Bianca, if I wasn't planted in church, if I didn't learn to, man, to submit when I didn't want to, to yield when I didn't want to. I remember at one point saying to the Lord, "This, this just is not, Fair, God, I'm in this pit. I didn't even put myself in this pit. And I just want to go and vindicate myself. And I want to show everyone that I'm right. And it's not fair that I'm in this pit and everyone else is being promoted over me. And I'm the one that's paid the price. And I'm the one that's done all the the work behind the scenes. And I'm the one, and they're getting the credit and they're getting promoted and they're getting opportunity. And I'm just here in this stupid pit. And I literally felt the Holy Spirit in my heart, not out loud, but in my heart say to me, Well, You better get used to the pit, start rearranging the furniture because you're going to be there for a while. And so the point was that uh, this is like I was 25 years old and it was like I learnt to rearrange furniture in the pit because God wanted me to know, Christine Kane, are you going to keep doing this when you are unapplauded, when you are unrecognised, when you are uninvited, when you are just looked over? I need to know, Christine, that you're going to do this for me when nobody's looking when somebody else is getting the credit for what you've done when uh, you're not the one being invited into all the rooms i need to know that you can do it without the applause so that i know i can trust you with the applause Oof. if i can't trust you when you are in darkness in anonymity and in obscurity if i cannot trust you then to do it faithfully then I will not, for your own sake, I won't be able to trust you when the spotlight is on you, when the applause is coming to you. Because if Satan himself, Isaiah, if Satan himself was in heaven, I mean, you don't get into a more perfect environment, do you? See, we all think we are above falling. We all think we are, my heart's right. And, but the truth is that you can be in the perfection of heaven, the perfection of heaven, and um, be full of pride, and you can fall. You know, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning and take a third of the angels of heaven with you because there's unresolved pride in your heart. If it can happen there, you tell me how we think it won't happen for us. You're in the most perfect environment and it still happened. So my deal is before even the fall in the garden, we forget that there was a fall from heaven as well. And so my deal is that I'm not, and a church, healthy, not perfect, but a healthy Bible-believing, spirit-filled, life-giving church is the thing that has kept me rooted and grounded above everything else in my life. So yes, am I abiding in the vine, Jesus? Absolutely. But I stay abided in the vine through abiding in his body, the church. And I still believe uh, the local church, Nick and I would both say, most of the fruitfulness that you can continue to see in our life and ministry today is largely still uh, contingent on the fact that we are rooted and grounded in our local church.
1: Listen, I think, Chris, this is, and just since this in my heart, I believe that there is someone listening who right now in this moment needed that reminder that even if we are in the pit, even if we feel like everyone else is getting credit, even if it feels like we're doing everything else for everyone else, the Lord sees it. And so I think that the message of dying to self to live for Christ is not popular. And I'm so grateful that that's something that you have always said, die, 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 die again, (laughs) die some more. And if you're still calling conscious, guess what? Die again. We've had that conversation. Okay, so this podcast is entitled Let's Go There because I want to go there and here is I want to model this. Uh, We worked together. Um, I served alongside and underneath you and Nick for six and a half years and here's one thing that I want to know. What do you wish I would have done differently? What do you wish I would have uh, not done or done in my time there. And I think the reason why I'm asking this question is because I think that we, if we learn from our past, it'll help us in the future. And now that I'm in a leadership position, both Matt and I leading the church, I want to know because I think in listening to you, it'll help me wrap a wrap language around what I want for the team and other people in our circles.
0: Sure. Well, you yeah, know, I love that you asked that question and I'll use your own words to answer it. Wait.
1: I have to interrupt this podcast because when she said this, I literally held my breath. I'm mentally scrambling and thinking, she's going to use my words? Like, my words? Oh my God, what did I even say? Clearly, I've lived to talk about this, so let's get back to the podcast. But I just wanted to tell you how truly terrified I was in this moment.
0: About a month ago, I think maybe it was six weeks ago, you sent me a text. So I'm going to, you're like, what did I say to her? And I, I, so I'm going to use that thing Great. that you sent me. So now we're several years down the track and you said, Chris, I just feel prompted. Um, I want to apologize. And I think the words that you used were, I, I don't feel that I carried a uh, the vision as well as I could have in some areas um, and behind yeah. the scene, because Nick and I traveled all the time and, you know, you you had a lot of my trust in the office and uh, with a lot of the other the team. And you said, I'm now seeing that there are areas that I really could have carried the culture, the spirit of the thing. And I think that was what you take. Was that right? Is that what you it's, take to me?
1: Yep. 100%. It,
0: it would be that because tied into that, I think is, is the thing that I would say uh, during our season, which was largely awesome. But as any leader, I'm looking at, um, you you always can see the degree to which someone really carries what they have in their hand now is the degree to which they're going to be able to carry whatever God has put in their heart in the future.
1: Mm. And
0: I think this would be your angst. So this is where I tied into your angst, like from week one, where you were like, I don't think... This is what I'm called to do. It was. I don't know that I ever did a really good job to help you understand it's not about the task. If you would just settle and trust God with this season, it really doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping the floors. doesn't matter if you're doing communication. It doesn't matter if you're preaching. It doesn't matter if you even like human trafficking or not. That, that's not even the thing. The thing is, can you trust yourself? Can you trust God enough? that in this season he wants to work on the inside of you so you don't have to worry about the details, which is your freak out. How is this tying into my dream? How is this tying into my vision? I feel called to do this, but I'm doing this particular task. and This is so far removed from what I have to do. And And then with that comes frustration. So then with the frustration, you're not present in what God's trying to do in you in this moment. And when you're not present with what God's trying to do with you in this moment, you're not really carrying the culture of the moment. And then you're not really infusing faith in that moment because you are so conflicted with how is this working out for me? And God's going, the whole thing I'm trying to do right now is kill you. Okay. That's what I'm trying to do. So don't worry about how it's working out for you because I can't tell you how it's going to work out for you until you die to you. And once you die to you, then I will be able to resurrect the new you and what I want. Now we're not talking any form, so I want people to hear this. Um, we are not talking about any kind of corporate working or ministry culture that is anyway abusive in any way, uh, in any way dishonest in. A- and so we're not talking. So let's, I've, it's, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but I have to say that. So we are not talking about that at all. If you are in that kind of environment then you need to get out. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when you're in a not perfect, but a pretty healthy kind of environment, then you still have to know that there is process of dying to self. Dying to self is nine times out of 10, you're going to end up doing certain things you don't want to do. Meaning in a gift mix, we are so big on Enneagrams, uh, you know, Myers-Briggs, Strength um, Finders, strength finders yes. that we have almost um, personality profiled the Holy Spirit. Is- spirit out of our lives we're like you there's got to be this segment that is the holy spirit side that you know goes okay these things are a good guide but we have used them as an excuse to not do what i don't feel that i'm good at doing and i'm like and I'm, I'm like, where is the Lord going to work on you if all you're ever only going to do is what you want to do? Because part of it, Paul, you know, there are, all throughout Scripture, there are precedents of, um, I'm not just here to just thrive in my little lane because how is God going to grow me? How is God going to build me? Where is God going to do a supernatural work through me? And that normally happens um, being in an environment where you're going to rub up against people that are just going to sharpen you where you're going to be asked to serve someone over you. I know some of these words in uh, 2020 make people very nervous and I understand there's been a misuse uh, and abuse in certain cases Um, and the, the abuse of something doesn't make the original purpose for the thing wrong. And so to abuse something is to use something for a purpose for which it was never designed. But to use the thing for the purpose for which it was designed is a good thing. That's not abusive. But what we've done is thrown the baby out with the bathwater. So terms like submission and authority, because of the abuse of those terms, we've thrown it all out. And I've gone, the abuse is wrong. I mean, I've been an advocate for, before there was Me Too, I advocated for uh, people that are abused. I rescue slaves around the world and uh, help be a voice for the voiceless. So everyone knows I'm a huge advocate Um and and uh i put traffickers in jail for a living so you know i'm I'm, I'm all about uh justice being served but biblical submission so not a corrupt version of it but true biblical submission and biblical authority even people are breaking out in hives as i'm even using these words right at this moment i know that makes people nervous but throughout scripture old testament and new um biblical honor Biblical authority, biblical respect, there's a lot in that. And I almost want to reclaim it because there's a lot of purpose tied up in that. It's where a lot of um, health and wholeness is brought, again, when it's done right and not misused or abused. And so we have a generation that doesn't trust that because whether it's in secular corporate structures or even within the church system, there has been such a violation and misuse and abuse. But that still doesn't change. God's order and God's anointing in that way. But a lot of it has got to do with panicking that what I'm doing right now doesn't seem connected to what I'm, what the Lord's called me to doing. And so then throwing out the baby with the bathwater and then not understanding that sometimes it would be really good. God's testing you to see, can you see things from your boss's perspective rather than just your own? And so sometimes if you just get around the lunch table with all your friends, and you start listening to, well, you know, I don't feel that this is right and they could do that better. Well, now that you are a leader, you start to go, wow, now I realise that my the people that were over me were not just looking at things from my 10,000 feet perspective. They were at a 35,000 feet perspective. And there were lots of things influencing every one decision that they made. And um, I think sometimes as a leader, I'm always looking to see who – is looking at this from my perspective because they're the people that i know i can promote because i know that they're looking at the vision and understand that the thing that i'm a part of is bigger than any part i play so when you are just someone that's on a team and you're just obsessed with the part you play and how everything impacts the part you play um, i think well that's okay if you're a good worker i can keep you in that place but if you're a leader that wants to be promoted and be given more influence. I don't need you just to see through the lens of the part that you play. I need you to see through the, I need you to come up higher and see. And the only way you could come up higher is to die to just the part that you play and go, okay, let me look at this there. And then God goes, I can trust you with more. And I think, you know, you look at the life of David um, and he was anointed to be King of Israel so here's the big thing, and everyone's going to have to go through this test, Bianca, whether they like it or not. But when David was anointed, you, you know the story, we all know the story, but um, Jesse, and, and here, this could give hope to someone listening to this podcast. When David was anointed, this the prophet came in, and Samuel came into Jesse's house, and he thought Eliab, the big brother, was the one. You know, He goes, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And um, you could be in a ministry position, you could be in an office job, you could be anywhere. It, you could be serving in your church and someone comes in, maybe even, you know, your leaders, and they don't even see you because you're, you're, you're doing the kids ministry. It's Sunday morning, so they don't even see you because you're in the back of nowhere, man, teaching the kids, or you're out in the parking lot, you're parking vehicles. So the prophet doesn't even see you because you're out doing the work in the parking lot. And he sees the super cool, super trendy, skinny jeans, tattoos. Cool dude on the front row goes, oh, surely this is the Lord's mountain and because um, Eliab looked like it and uh, you know the Lord said no I haven't chosen him now he's the father of the house so maybe even the leader of your church has six other people lined up you're not even you because you're still in the parking lot doing the work you're the one in the kids ministry doing the work you're the one behind the scenes putting the words on uh, the screen and you're doing the work like david was out in the field and the father of the house goes man i've got six other seven other people way better than this dude so the prophet could miss you the father of the house could miss you but if you're doing exactly what you should be doing god never misses you and so david comes in you know the prophet goes okay there's another one david comes in eventually god will put you there here is the test for every christian that feels called to greatness what do you do when your father, all of your brothers, and the prophet all see you getting anointed in the, in the sight of everyone? They see you getting anointed. And then in the very next verse, it says, And that day the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. What do you do when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you know it, and everyone else knows it, and the Holy Spirit has left the person that's over you, but God has not yet put you in place. What our generation does is, I'm sorry, that's my dog. I'm sorry, guys. That's what you're listening to. What this generation does now says, well, I've been anointed. I'm gifted. I'm talented. I'm not going to wait for God. I'm going to go online and build my own platform. So then what we do is go and build our own platform and it looks awesome, but it goes nowhere in the long term. David was anointed. This Holy Spirit came on him. The Holy Spirit left his leader But it still took 20 years and 20 chapters from anointing to appointing. What we're doing in our generation is we're not allowing the time from anointing to appointing. If someone over us won't appoint us in the way we want to be appointed, we go, I'm going to go and appoint myself. And if you appoint yourself, honey, it's over the long term. I've been in this a long time. It's never going to last over the long term. You are better to rearrange furniture in the pit. David spent the next 20 years dodging spears. David had to go and play the heart. Imagine, imagine, you know, you've been anointed. You know, the spirit of God's left the worship leader. The anointing has come on you as the worship leader. And God says, oh, but I'm still going to leave them in place. And I want you to go be the backup vocalist for them. Because that's what your leader wants you to do. And I want you to just learn to play the harp. And what David was learning was the protocol of the palace because he was a shepherd boy and he'd never been in the palace. And one day, he was going to be the king of the palace but he had to learn the protocol of the palace we've got a generation that doesn't want to learn the protocol of the palace by being the backup vocalist because they want to be the king of the palace but they'll never reign as the king of the palace as the front vocalist just because you can cut an album and just because you can get a a contract with christian music and go around and do a tour 10 years from now you probably won't even be following jesus because you never learned the protocol of the palace that you can only learn through service in the church
1: Mm, mm, this is what I believe so many of us need to hear. And so yeah. I, I'm I'm, saying thank you. And I'm saying that I'm believing that this is going to sow seeds into the hearts of so many people that are serving others in this season. Chris, thank you for training. Thank you for, as I like to say, the loving punches in the throats. Thank you for the corrective uh, behaviors and the conversations that you were so patient in having with me. I reap the fruit of it today. And I'm grateful for not just who you are what you do I'm grateful for the impact for the kingdom that you're having across the globe so keep going keep dying metaphorically not physically and thank you for those that want more information on Christine you can visit her website at christinecain.com and follow her on all mediums of social media in addition pick up uh, download her podcast subscribe to her podcast buy her books or check her out locally Chris on behalf of let's go there and myself I love and appreciate you Friends, I told you Christine was going to be fire. In fact, I think my eyebrows singed off just talking to her. I hope you got some gold out of this conversation and I'm believing that you want to share it with your friends. Why? Because sharing is caring. So share this podcast and make sure and tag at Christine Kane and at Bianca Oltoff. This is a new podcast and I would love if you subscribed and wrote a review. As a token of my appreciation, I'd love to give you a six session video Bible study and a PDF guide for free. All you have to do is write a review Take a snapshot of the review and email it to podcast at inthenameoflove.org and you'll be sent your free gift. I can't wait for you to check out next week's episode. We'll be joined by my friend Bob Goff. Until then, let's go there.